This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. Well, so good to see you guys today. My name is Kevin. I'm the lead pastor here at Vortex. And today I've asked a, a, a friend of ours, all right? I'm so thankful that nine months ago when Carrie and Sarah Weaver moved here, you guys didn't know who they were, but, but you know what's awesome is that you guys, as a church family, you've received them as your own and you love them like your own. And I know that so many of you, when Carrie gets a chance to preach, y'all are all excited because you love him, right? He's so good at this. And we're so thankful for having him. But I want to tell you that as we were preparing the service, part, part, part of this series was we wanted to talk about the things that we need to go all in for if we're going to live for God. And one of those things is what we're going to talk about today. And see, knowing him and knowing his story, I know that there's really no better person that I'd want to put up here to talk to you about what we're going to talk about than him. See, for the last few decades, Carrie has been really abandoning things that are important to go and follow Jesus and to be a servant. And so over a year ago, when God started to speak to him and lead his heart and lead his family from Arkansas to Albemarle, which y'all know that ain't no easy trip to make, right? All right, that's a big leap. He left Starbucks behind, y'all. All right? He left Starbucks. He's so thankful that we have a kind of Starbucks. All right? But he, he left so much behind, including family, and his dad called him not too long ago after the news of Palmerville came down to us and we made the decision to step away from that project. His dad called him and said, son, well, that's what you moved out there to, to do. How do you feel about it now? And he said this. He said, no, dad, that's not what I moved here to do. I moved here because God called me to this church and I'm here to serve. All right. There's not a better person today to share this message. So would you welcome Carrie Weaver to the stage? Thanks, Kevin. Um, he's kind. I, I do... Um, my dad is a is a retired pastor and preacher, so I've been in church my whole life. I always say that I was in the first Sunday after I was born, I was at church, and I've only missed a few in between there and now. Um, so I know a lot about the church, and some of you have been in church your whole life. Some of you, it's a relatively new thing, and I think both are awesome because you have such unique perspectives. And so I know when we start talking about being all in to serve, um, that's, that's one of those topics that if you're a person who's already serving, you're like, yeah, let's, let's go. And if you're, if you're on the outside, you may feel a little bit, uh, a little bit of tension about that. So let me just encourage you as we work through this today, um, whatever tension you feel in this moment, understand this, that's not because I found some really great way to manipulate you and kind of twist your arm into doing something. It may very well be that God's trying to speak to you and just kind of lean into that and allow God to work. So uh, the first thing that I want us to think about is this. When it comes to serving God, there's usually two primary motivations that come into play when we're talking about serving God. Um, and here's the way we could word it. We serve God because we're threatened by him. That's, that's one motivation. We feel threatened by him, so we serve. Uh, in other words, he's the boss, he's the authority. If I don't do it, 
He's going he's gonna to curse me. He's going to not bless me. He's going to withhold something from me. So we feel threatened by God. Or we serve because we're thrilled with God. We're either threatened or thrilled. Now, one of those is motivated by fear, but the other one is motivated by love. Now, if you're anything like me, you may be a very results-oriented person, and for you, it, the process doesn't really matter as long as the job gets done. Any takers on that that would say, I just, I just want to get the job done. Okay, it's just me this morning. Good. Um, <laughs> now I know who I'm talking to. Um, you don't really care. And so ultimately, you may think, well, d- does God care a whole lot what our motivation is if we get the task he's called us to do done? Now, you've got to know this, that our God is not ultimately a task-oriented God, okay? The, the work that he has been doing, he has been doing over millennia, okay? If you're a task-oriented person, you want it done in the next five minutes. And God could have accomplished whatever the ultimate task, he could have done it in a much shorter period of time. He has a work that he is doing that's all about the process. It is really all about the motivation. So the problem with being motivated by fear versus love is that when you're motivated by fear or because you feel threatened by God, you're serving him in a way that shows the world, that shows everyone around that God is the authority, that he is the boss, but not that he is your treasure, not that he is what you love. The other thing that it does is it tends to show that we're serving God because he needs our service. He makes it very clear in the word that he doesn't need anything from us. He doesn't need the service that you have to offer. Now, that could make you feel incredibly small, like, well, then I guess I really don't matter. I think it's amazing that even though God doesn't need us to serve him, he calls us into serving him. He wants to do something in us. He loves us that much, but he doesn't need our service. Let me show you that in a couple of verses. Acts 17, 24 through 25 says this. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples. And human hands, get this, can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath and everything, and he satisfies every need. God doesn't want us to serve him in a way that shows that he needs us. He doesn't need us. He is the one who is the meter of needs. We can't, we can't meet his needs. In Mark 10, 45, it says this, for even the son of man, that's Jesus, came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. God doesn't have needs. He doesn't need our service. He doesn't want us to do what we do just because we fear him or because we're afraid that he's going to curse us or damn us or hold out on us. He wants us to do it because we're thrilled with him, because we love him. Both of those texts put an emphasis on the fact that it's God giving to us when we serve. It's through that that he imparts things to us because God wants us to serve. He really does. He wants us to serve. Uh, In 1 Peter 4, uh, verse 10 says this, and this isn't on the screen, but it says this, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. And then it says this, use them well to serve one another. Does that sound like God telling you to serve? He says he's given you a gift. He wants you to serve. He does. Because God knows that without serving him, the life you experience will never be what he intends for it to be. God knows that. He wants to do something in us because he's not ultimately focused on the task. He is all about the process of what he wants to bring us through. And when we serve him in the right way, we're not doing it in a way that shows, well, God's the boss. I got to do what he says. 
We're not doing it like, well, God needs it. If I don't do it, it's not going to happen. I'm going to let God down. We can't do that. He's the one who meets our needs. So what I want to do for you this morning is I want to give you four keys to all-in serving. If you want to, to be all-in to serve God, to be fully committed to this, let me give you four keys for it. The first one is this. Serve through God's strength. Serve through God's strength. Now, I read verse 10 of 1 Peter 4 to you, but look at verse 11. It says this, whoever serves, let him serve as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. So in verse 10, he says this, he's given each of you a gift. There's something within you that God has has fashioned for you to do, and he says, use it to serve others. But when you do it, do it through the strength that he supplies. So even though you're incredibly gifted in an area, you can't depend upon that gifting. You have to depend upon the God who's going to supply the strength that you need to do it. Because if you don't serve through the strength that God provides, the alternative is you serve from your own strength. And again, you may think, what's the difference? The difference is that when I serve through my strength, it's all about me. It's all about what I can do. It's not about what God is doing through me. And I'm just going to tell you this. I've been in ministry. I'm in my 20th year of ministry. And I'm not that old. I started pretty much right out of high school, okay? 20 years. And I'm just going to tell you this. There have been seasons in my life where I wasn't serving through the strength that God provided to me. I was serving through my own strength. Because there are certain things that I'm, I'm pretty good at it. And I can get, and get up and do it. Like, I can get up and speak like this. And I've gotten up in front of people and spoke and shared the word, and I did it completely in my own strength. It wasn't the strength that God provided. And when I was over and I walked off the stage, I knew it. And that was, that was all about me. Some of you have been there too. You've been trying to serve God, but you've been doing it in your own strength. And what happens is that when we serve God in our own strength, it puts the glory to us. And he's really amazing. He's really gifted. And it's not about the strength that God provides to us. The other thing that happens is when I serve by my own strength, my strength doesn't last very long. It's exhausting. And the service that I give to God becomes a burden to me. And I start dreading it. I'm going to tell you this, if you're dreading whatever it is that you're walking into and serving God, maybe it's an area that you're already serving with us here at, at Vortex, or you can think in the past of serving in a church and you dreaded it, just didn't look forward to it at all, I'm going to guarantee you this, you weren't doing it through the strength that God provided. You are doing your own strength. And your strength just doesn't go very far. You're gifting your talents. They can only carry you so far. And I'll tell you this 100%, they cannot carry you to the place where God wants you to go. You don't have that kind of strength on your own, so serve through God's strength. Here's the second thing. Serve from your relationship with God. Not for your relationship with God. If you've got this idea that I've got to serve in order for God to love me, in order for God to bring me in close, you've got to, you've got to know this through Jesus Christ. If you have found that redemption, and you are a child, you are a son, you are a daughter of the king, you can't get any closer. You can't be loved anymore. You have been brought in. Here's what Jesus said, Matthew 11. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. You will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Serve from your relationship with God. He says, come to me, all you who are weary. It says, take my yoke upon you. Now, when we think about a yoke, you, if I say that word, 
you may not have any idea what I'm talking about, but some of you do. Some of you can get a picture. Let's show a picture of what a yoke looks like. It's this wood harness, basically, that, that joins two animals together for the purpose of pulling some sort of an implement, okay? And so they'd be yoked together. Now, he says, take my yoke upon you. What he's telling us is this, is that before we come to him, we've got a different yoke on us. We do. Yokes are generally used. Now, there are yokes designed for one animal, but they're usually designed for two animals. But a lot of us are trying to do one. We're trying to do it all by ourselves is one thing. We're out there all alone. We're trying to pull the load and the burden of life. And he says this, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. You're carrying heavy burdens. When we're trying to do it on our own, when we're, honestly, when we're trying to do it in our own strength, the burden is heavy. It's more than we can bear. It's exhausting. It wears us down. And Jesus says, come to me. We, he wants us to come into a relationship with him. And he says, take my yoke on you. Well, what does that mean? Well, number one, it means this. He still intends for us to be doing work. Because you don't wear a yoke for fun. Like that's not a fashion accessory. You understand what I'm saying? You wear it to get a job done. So we're still going to be serving. But we're going to be yoked up with someone else. Who might that be? Jesus himself co-laborers with Christ. I'm going to tell you this. If I'm trying to serve God, you guys are awesome. But if I can choose between yoking up with you and yoking up with Jesus, I'm going with Jesus, okay? That's what he wants us to do. And so we're in relationship. We're working alongside him. And when we do it, he says the yoke is easy. What does that mean? It fits just right. The burden is light. Why is it light? Because we're not carrying it all on our own. We're not carrying burdens we were never designed to carry in the first place. We're serving from a relationship with God. We're not out there on our own. We're united with Christ. And you guys may be familiar with what this is. This is Matthew 11. In Matthew 28, Jesus gives his disciples kind of a final command. We call it the Great Commission. He says, go and make disciples. And we think about that, man, we are all, we are called to go and make disciples, to tell people about the truth of Jesus, the hope that can be found in the gospel. We're to go, go, go. But understand this, literally in this passages, Jesus said, come, before he ever said, go. He said, come. He said, come into relationship with me. Come and lay down the burdens that you've been trying to carry. Come and lay down all the efforts that you've had in mind, all of your, your methods, the ways you've been trying to do it on your own. Lay all that down. Do it my way. Follow me. Yoke up with me. He said, come, before he ever said go. And it gets lonely serving Jesus when we're trying to do it for him instead of with him. When we're serving for that relationship instead of from that place of relationship. I've been brought in so I can rest and I can work the way he designed. Number three, serve how God designed you. We've got to serve through God's strength from that relationship with him, and then we've got to serve how he designed us. Look at 1 Corinthians, a few verses from chapter 12. Starting verse 4 says this, There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are what? Different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. And then he says this in verse 12, The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ, the church. And then in verse 18, it says, our bodies have many parts and God has put, get this, he has put each part just where he wants it. 
You've got to serve how he designed you. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Get that image in your head. It's a body made up entirely of ears. It's a body made up entirely of toes. Some of that, you know, that's incredibly gross, right? <laughs> how incredibly strange. That's, that's an understatement. If it had just the one part, yes, there are many parts, but only one body. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. You have to serve how God designed you to serve. I love the message paraphrase of the Bible. Here's what it says, starting in verse 25. It says this, The way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church. Every part dependent on every other part. The parts we mention and the parts we don't. The parts we see and the parts we don't. If one part hurts, every other part is involved in the hurt and, if one, and in the healing. If one part flourishes, every other part enters into the exuberance. You are Christ's body. That's who you are. And then don't miss this last part. You must never forget this. Only as you accept your part of that body does your part mean anything. You have to serve how God designed you to serve. You don't serve like me. I don't serve like you. It is impossible for you to serve like me because you ain't me. You can't pull it off, okay? You, you can be the most amazing version of me that you could ever try. You're never going to pull it off. You can't do it. You have, to you have to serve how he's designed you to serve. He wants us to serve in the way that he created and positioned and gifted us to serve. The place where you're from, the story that you have has positioned you to do something unique within the body of Christ. You've got to serve how he designed you to serve. So you're not trying to serve like me. I'm not trying to serve like you. Have you guys ever seen someone trying to be something they're not? It can either be funny or pitiful, right? Now, like my children may go into my room and put on my shoes, okay? And they'll come walking out through the house. It's cute. It's funny, right? They're trying to be something that they're not yet. They're still little and they're in these giant shoes. That's cute and funny. It's not cute when we're grown adults, trying to serve within the body and trying to be something that we're not. And some of you are there. You're trying to be something you're not. And you have to accept who you are because you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are an image bearer of Jesus Christ. And he has something unique that he wants to do through you. You are a unique part of the body of Christ. You don't have to be able to do it all. You just have to do your part. And, and we have a problem with this. Even right now, some of you are going, yeah, that's right. We need to do it. But in our minds, we still think, yeah, but there's some parts that are more valuable. Right? They're the parts that are up front. They're the lead pastors. They're the worship leaders. They're the, the, the team captains on serve teams. Those are the more important people. That's really not what he shows us in that passage. He actually says that the most important parts, we, we tend to cover up. It's kind of true of our physical bodies too, right? That we, it's, it's not just about the parts you see, it's about the parts you don't see. It's not just about the parts we talk about, it's part, about the parts we don't talk about. You can't exist without all of them. And when one part suffers, every part suffers. When one part rejoices, every part should rejoice. You have to do your part. And I'm going to tell you this. If any one part of your body stops working, you're going to notice. Right? You are. 
And it's, it's really not possible for you to pull yourself away from the body and still continue to be anything meaningful. You sever a finger from my body and lay it on the table. It's gross, and it's, it's not going to be able to accomplish anything on its own. It's only when we embrace who we are, the good and the bad, all of that, understanding this is how God has created us to be. He designed you to serve in such a way. He wants you to do that. But you can't serve how he designed you unless you accept who you are. Unless you accept the way he gifted you is different than the way he gifted somebody else. And you may be thinking right now, well, how do I figure that out? That's why we do next steps. We've been talking about it. We've got another one coming up in, uh, next month in, in November on November 20th. You can stop by guest services on your way. You can sign up for next steps. In that, we help you discover how your personality is, how you're wired, what your gifting is, and then how you can use that to serve. God made you that way. You're wired and designed and gifted that way. And when you serve that way, and you find joy and fulfillment, and you accept who you are. I, I lo- there's a story about a man named Joshua Chamberlain, and this was the guy who accepted who he was. Now, Joshua Chamberlain was a student of theology and a professor of rhetoric around the time of the Civil War. And when the war broke out, Joshua Chamberlain stepped up to the call. But he was the guy who accepted who he was. He also was the possessor of an amazing mustache. And somehow he found himself leading a regiment and actually found himself in the the Battle of Gettysburg. And he and his regiment were holding a position and they were under attack. A first wave of attack came in. They lost some men. Another wave, another wave. Four different waves of attack come in. He finds himself with his regiment of 300 down to 80 men. They each have one round of ammunition left. They're not in a great position. The rational thing to do in this moment would have been to either surrender or retreat. That's the rational thing. But he wasn't wired that way. He wasn't a trained military man. He was just in a moment, and he was going to be true to who he was. And in that moment, he was going to lead his men the way he felt was, was right to lead. So he gets uh, one of his sergeants reports, hey, listen, there's no reinforcements coming. We're just down to the one round of ammunition. What do you want to do? And in that moment, he said, I felt I had to act decisively. And you do. You can't. So rather than surrendering, rather than retreating, he climbs up onto the fortress and draws his sword and says, charge. And his men said, okay. They fixed the bayonets on and they charged. 80 men going after about 4,000 men. And they caught them off guard, and in a very improbable turn of events, in about five minutes, 80 men captured 4,000 men. They held their position. Some uh, scholars believe that they may have saved that battle, saved the war, because he acted decisively in being who he was. Later in his life, he became um, a governor and a president of his alma mater, his college. But he was uh, interviewed after he received um, the Medal of Honor 30 years after his act of heroism. And they asked him about that moment. And he said, I knew in that moment I had to act decisively. But there was deep within me this inability to do nothing. I I love that. This inability to do nothing. Some of us don't seem to possess that. We can do nothing with the best of them. But he had this inability to do nothing. He was just true to who he was, how God had made him. He didn't act what would seem to be rational, 
But it was through that that he actually led his men to victory. Now, I believe this, that when we accept who we are, how God made us, when we accept our story, what we've been through, what we've done in the past, our failures and our successes, what's been done to us that we had no control, when we accept it and say, that's just, that's what I've been through. This is who I am today. When we accept that, there will be within us a holy inability to do nothing. When we've experienced hurt in a specific area and we see someone else going through that, there will be this holy inability to do nothing about it. We'll have to step out and meet that need. We will have to serve. And when we do that, all we're doing is serving the way God has designed us, created and positioned us through our story and gifted us by the Holy Spirit to serve. When we do that, it's how he designed it. It's what God intended. And I think that's part of the process as God looks back and goes, oh, look, they're embracing it. They're grabbing hold of who I made them to be. They're grabbing hold of everything that's been done to them, and they're saying, this is, I can't change the past, but I can understand that, that God is using it to create a platform for me to serve him. And I'm going to tell you this, when we're doing that, that's that coming alongside Jesus and understanding that it's not, the burden is light. It's easy to serve like that. Joshua Chamberlain said, I knew in that moment I might die, but I wasn't going to die with a bullet in my back. I wasn't going to be afraid of embracing my situation and embracing who I was. And then for him, leading the way he was designed to lead. Let me give you one more thing. Serve for the glory of God. Because I believe that when we come to Jesus and we understand that he told us to come before he ever sent us out, when we serve the way he has designed us to serve by his strength, that gives glory to God. Because giving glory to God ultimately means that you're going to obey the will of God. That's what this series is all about. It's all in. It's fully surrendering to the will of God. And you can't surrender to it and not obey it. You don't just surrender. Yeah, I'm all for that. No, no, you obey it. You step out in obedience. This means you can't just say, that you're a follower of Jesus, you actually have to do it. That's what being all in looks like. Matthew 21, Jesus shares a story. It's about a father and his two sons. He says this. But what do you think about this? Jesus is speaking. He says, a man with two sons told the older boy, son, go out and work in the vineyard today. And the son answered, no, I won't go. Now that would have never worked at my house. But there was something going on here. He says, no, I won't go. But then this. But later he changed his mind and he went anyway. Then the father told the other son, this would be the younger, you go. And he said, yes, sir, I will. But he didn't actually go. Which of the two obeyed his father? And the people listening replied, well, the first. The first one did. Now, I love this because in this moment, Jesus is giving us a picture of what it looks like to be obedient to God. There are some who say that they will, but they don't ever follow through. There are some who say that they won't, but they eventually do. Because God does care that we serve in a way that brings him glory through obedience. This loving father talks to the first son and says, go serve in the vineyard today. And he says, nope, pop, I'm not going. I got other plans. 
And we don't see anything here where the father immediately drags the son out by his ears and works him over like he should have. We don't see any of that. We see, we see a father that would be nothing like us, right? He was loving. He gave him room. He gave him time. Because he was after the, honestly, he was after the heart of the son, not just the obedience. And the, the son came around, and he did go. Now, I'm going to speculate for a moment. Y'all give me a little room for that? What do you think would have happened with that older son if when he said no, the father said, get out? If you won't be obedient, you'll never be my son again. Drew a line in the sand and said, obey now or we're done. You think he would have ever come around? No, he was loving and patient with him. And he found obedience. You see, serving in this way, it means that we stop serving like we're, like we have no choice. Like if we don't do it, our Father in heaven is going to destroy us or curse us, damn us. We understand that he's loving and patient with us. And I have experienced the patience of God in my life in more ways than I could ever tell you. And you wouldn't want to hear about all of it. Where he's been gracious and long-suffering with us. In the Bible, it actually says that God's not slow concerning his promises to come and redeem us, to rescue us ultimately. He's not. It says he's long-suffering. He's patient. This time, I told you, God could have done his plan in, in, in 10 years or 100 years. He's taken thousands of years. Why? Because he is patient with us. He, he wants everyone to ultimately find repentance and obedience, just like that older son. He's given us time. You see, being all in to serve doesn't mean you just join a team and you go through the motions. It doesn't mean you serve begrudgingly. It doesn't mean when the father says, go serve in the vineyard, you go, fine, I'll go. It means that you serve because you love God. Being all in to serve means you will say with your whole heart, whatever, whenever, wherever to serving God because you know that he loves you and he is patient with you and he wants what is best for you and he happens to know what is best for you because it's not about your strength. It's not about your status, your ambitions. It's not even about your gifting. And some of you are so amazing in what God has allowed you to be so good at doing. It's about a loving heavenly father who calls you in and says, come to me and I'll give you rest and then send you out who embraces you with all of your flaws and puts you to work. Remember Acts 17, 25, human hands can't serve his needs for he has no needs. For he himself gives life and breath and everything. And he satisfies every need. I'm going to tell you this. He satisfies our needs through us serving him. He satisfies, he meets our needs as we serve him. If you are not serving, you are lacking because God wants to do something in you, for you, through you serving him. He's going to supply strength. He's going to give you purpose. He's going to give you joy. And you just flat cannot find it without being obedient to his will and serving him. I can understand not wanting to obey a heavenly father who hates us. 
I could understand not wanting to serve a father who's out to get you and destroy you. But we have a God who is so long-suffering, who looked down on a broken humanity and said, I'm going to do something to make this right. They can't fix themselves. They're hopeless. And said, let's send Jesus. Let's rescue them. We find what we need in serving him. And we find that in serving him, he will supply life and breath and everything we need. It's where the joy is found. So let me ask you, you very well in this room, there are there may be two types of people. Some of you in the room may be like that older son. And in following God, maybe serving him, you have said no. You've been saying no. And you might run out of your rationalizing in your mind. You're going, I haven't said a hard no. It's been more of a soft no. It's been more of a, give me a little bit of time, God. I'm going to come around. It's, like a, it's more of a no. I'm willing to serve. I'm just not willing to do that kind of no. You know, you're, you're still trying to negotiate with him. And there's still time for you to come into the field and serve. There's still time for you to step into obedience. God's waiting on you. He's patient. He's loving. There's some of you that have said yes, but you've never actually done anything. You've said yes to Jesus. You've made him the Lord of your life. You said, yes, I'm all in. But up to this point, it's really just been talk. You're like the younger son who said, yes, I'll go, Dad, and didn't go. There's still time for you, too. The father was just as patient with the son who said no as with the son who said yes and didn't go. So let me invite you this morning to respond. Wherever you're coming from. Some of you right now are saying, Carrie, God said go and, and I've gone. I wasn't either one of those. That's great. Let me ask you a question too. Are you serving because you're thrilled with God or because you're threatened by him? Because the motivations matter. God doesn't just want your service, he wants your heart. Take a moment, maybe if that's where you are. Because I'm going to tell you, that's kind of my response this morning. I've been serving God for a long time. But there's times when I'm not doing it because I love him. Just being honest. I'm doing it because I'm scared not to. I'm doing it because I don't know anything else. I'm doing it because if I don't, what are you going to think of me? Some of you right now, you can identify with that. Let's come back to the heart of the Father. Would you guys pray with me? God, right now, I believe with every fiber of my being that you are speaking to hearts through the power of your holy word. And God, I believe that in this room right now, there are at least three groups of people. There are those who you've come to them and they have said yes and they have been serving, but God, maybe their hearts have drifted. God, they have forgotten the why God, they've kind of defaulted into serving out of, out of fear and their motivations are wrong. But God, you still love them. You still want something for them. God, you're speaking to them right now. If that's you right now, every head's bowed. No one's looking around but me. But if that's you right now and you say, Kara, I've been serving, but I haven't been doing it for the right reasons. And today, I want to change that. I want to come back to the heart. If that's you, would you raise your hand so I can pray for you? Anybody? I see you down here, up there on this top. Any others? I see you. It's okay. 
You're just, you're just like me in this moment. It's okay. Father, thank you. Speak to those hearts, God. Draw them in. Help them to remember that you said to come. Come back into that relationship, God. Help us to serve as sons and daughters, not just servants and slaves, God, but sons and daughters of the King. Maybe you're in the room right now and you're one of those who has said yes, but you haven't followed through. And today's the day you say, I'm going to rededicate that commitment. I'm going to go all in to serve. Even though I have said yes, maybe you said yes in the past. At some point you've stepped back and you're not following through. Is that you today? Would you raise your hand and say, that's me today. I've said yes, but I'm not following through. We've got hands going up. Father, right now, speak to their hearts. Father, you love them. Help us to step into serving the way you designed us to serve, God, to be everything that you made us to be. Maybe you're in here today and you, you've just said no. You said no. You haven't followed through. But today, you know, God is, you, you see, man, he's a loving father. He's still waiting on me. He's giving me room. And today you would say, I've said no, but today I'm saying yes. Is that you? Would you raise your hand? Father, thank you. Thank you for being a God who loves us in spite of our faults and our flaws. God, you love us right where we are for who we are. Help us to embrace our story, our gifting, our place in the body to love ourselves for who we are so that we can serve the way you designed us to serve. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.